are here. We have made it. It's over. It's done. <laughs> it looks like we made it. Oh my god. Uh, I, of course, this is Normandy FM. I am Eric Van Allen, joined by my co-host, Kenneth Shepard, and we are on the final episode of Dragon Age Origins. We did it. Mission accomplished, ladies and gentlemen. We got there. I I just want to thank the Academy. I want to thank God. I want to thank the devil. And also Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so we... After many hardships, after many technical mishaps, after many... Ken, just as like a, a broader speaking sense, this season had more strangeness around it than any of mm. the other seasons we've had so far even our first like very first mass effect yeah. one season we just had things go wrong and recordings go weird and having to move dates because of real life events and also the game throwing some general mm. fuckery at us so like i'm ready for the promised land ken mm. <laughs> i'm ready i have to been to the promised land it. It ha- like, I was there for, I played as much as we need for the first episode, and I just, like, might fuck around and just binge the whole game in, like, a week. Oh, I, I'm right about there with you, because uh, in my in my personal life, in my work life, I'm, I'm looking at a solid week right now, where once I wrap a few things up, I'm not going to have anything to play. I mean, mm. really, there's nothing I need to play to stay up to date on on games until final fantasy 7 remake comes out Mm -hmm. so i might just binge through dragon age 2 uh but we gotta get through origins first and we gotta cap it off today with uh really when we were looking at the dlc for dragon age and trying to identify what we were going to cover we we kind of wanted it to satisfy a few different uh requirements right we wanted it to feel like it was uh meaty enough to talk about that it wasn't some sort of like side canon side story what if like the darkspawn chronicles are and we wanted it to carry some sort of weight in the larger universe basically we didn't want to spend an hour talking about this is going back to the non-canonical but an hour talking about a thing that generally doesn't play into dragon age beyond origins or even within origins um so obviously origins and awakening were the two ones that were easy i mean the base game yes but also awakening uh ends up setting up some things that will later go on to foreshadow uh what's going to happen later in in the series but the one interesting thing was that the the one dlc that we came down to that was like we should probably cover this and and this was based off of ken who had played it i had not played this dlc before i had actually uh booted it up was the witch hunt dlc which is centered around the warden trying to find morrigan and that's already kind of an interesting setup because depending on what your choices were in the game your warden could have a lot of different reasons to want mm-hmm. to find Morrigan, and I thought that was interesting. Good and bad. Yeah, I mean, you could have easily role played. You could have been like me and romance Morrigan, and that's your reason for wanting to find her. Um, you could just 
be pals with Morgan and want to know what's going on. Maybe mm-hmm. you did the ritual with Morgan and you want to know what happened to the child. And there's also a world in which you are hunting down Morrigan for revenge. And that one's... Like going AWOL. Yeah, that one... I still don't understand it, Ken. I, I don't understand what the reasoning is behind that one. And we it, can talk... It's really just a question of, like, how petty are you? Are I you guess. willing to cross Ferelden multiple times to find somebody who decided that she didn't want to hang out with you anymore? And also, like... I get that part of it part of it could also be if you did the ritual and and you feel some ownership over the child but then that gets into some really dark and problematic mm. ideas of that sort of stuff like some really bad shades of all kinds of issues that just ugh. um and and the more bizarre thing then and I have not looked this up so I'm turning to you Ken because Ken you uh you had some issues with your 360 just did not want to again we could not end origins without one more weird issue with dlc and content and gating and all that kind of stuff your 360 just did not want to download the witch hunt dlc but you've already played it before so you just like refreshed yourself on youtube of what it was i'm interested if you know the answer to this if not i can wiki it real quick while we talk but Mm. what is what do they frame as your motivation for finding Morrigan if you are not the warden? Either if you are the character that would have come in from Awakening, so you would have been that warden, mm. uh, the one who was not with Morgan at the time, or uh, I think you can actually make a character specifically to play Witch Hunt, much like you can for Awakening, but I'm mm. not sure like what the context is there or how they frame that. You might need to wiki it, because I'm pretty sure that, like, you can't, I guess, like, import into Witch Hunt or whatever. And I think you always have, like, sort of, like, a default background of, like, you were the warden who had whatever relationship it might have been. Um, I think, in, like, the default of that is probably that you're, that you're just friends, and I don't really know if the ritual happened or not. But I don't know of any way that they could make this work with, like, say, you were playing, like, the Awakening Warden who comes in and is kind of like you know usurping that role so yeah might need to check the wiki on that one yeah i'm, I'm looking into this right now um in search of morgan following this lead uh the warden commander heads out on one more journey to conclude their unfinished business with her uh, it, it is not specific about which character that is. So I guess if I guess if you do not have a character that has lived through the um, that has that has lived through the the events of Dragon Age Origins, then you probably make a character that would have canonically done so. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure. If you've got the answer to this, I am kind of interested in this. Uh, hit us up. Uh, I, I guess through my Twitter, uh, there's at Normandy FM show, or you can hit me up at C Moosey. Uh, I'm interested in how this plays out otherwise, because the one thing that I will say about this DLC that I liked a lot was that it felt like it had a very central drive to it that mm. the rest of, even the rest of like awakening lacked. And, uh, from what I have played of the other DLCs, uh for origins uh i did 
at the time when I originally played it, I tried some of that Golems DLC and Darkspawn Chronicles and Leliana Song, and I just never felt like those had really driving plots for me. Ones that felt mm. ones that felt impactful to the character that you played in Origins, whereas this one felt like it was designed with an objective in mind and a place to get to and a story to tell, which I enjoyed a lot more because mm. it made it just feel so much more focused. Uh, right. That does quickly get a little taken apart, though. <laughs> mm. So once we uh, once we start the ZLC, we're, we're walking up to Flemeth's hut and uh, our, our warden is joined by a Mabari warhound who is either... I mean, theoretically, is either the dog from the campaign or a new dog, if you did not get the dog in the original campaign. Uh, either way, you still have to name it, which is odd. I was mm. I was kind of interested that that, I guess, wasn't ever a tag that they uh, marked to carry over into right. new games. Uh, so I gave it a new name, because I don't know, I was kind of like, oh, maybe my other Warhound's like chilling at home or whatever, I don't know. Uh, and I was kind of down for it. I was like, okay, you know, me and my dog on a road trip trying to find Morgan. I'm into this. I like this. We we bust into Flemeth's hut, and immediately we meet a Dalish elf, Dalish elf named uh, Ar- Ariane. Ar- Ariane? Ariana Grande. Ariana Ariana Grande. Ariana Grande <laughs> is here. She is a warrior, uh, I believe. She was a warrior in my playthrough. I don't know if that mm. changes for others. Uh, but she has been sent by her keeper, Solon, not Solus, Solon, uh, <laughs> to look for Flemeth, who stole a book. Uh, Flemeth, Morgan, to look for Morgan, who had stole a book from the Dalish clan. <sighs> and this is kind of where I get a little bit frustrated with this DLC. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I go into it, and I'm like, okay, cool warden dog on a journey gonna find morgan for me this is like perfect for the way i kind of head cannoned out my right warden because it's like oh he's finally gonna you know make good on what he said he's established the wardens he's done all the stuff he needed to do now he's gonna go find morgan mm. and and uh finally you know talk her into uh not running away again and <laughs> we just get this tag along elf who's like well i've got an idea about how you might be able to find that and you can Mm. you can kind of let her in on what your reason is for wanting to find morgan early they let you establish that very early on either saying like i want revenge or i love her or i just want answers uh Mm -hmm. i i personally played it close to the chest just because i didn't totally trust uh this this person uh who was Mm -hmm. who had already broken into flemeth's hut and right maybe did not have the best of intentions and I would probably have to mm. betray at some point if I wanted to keep in what my warden would want to do. So, right. Uh, yeah. I, I was going to say like, I kind of, again, like I did not actually get to play this, but this is just me remembering what I did when I played it. However many years ago. Mm. Um, I know like back then I was just like, I was fairly upfront. I was just like, yeah, she's a friend of mine and I'm worried about her. And a lot of stuff has gone on that, Probably too long of a story to tell you now, but yeah, I was fairly upfront on that front. But generally, and the, the, it kind of starts here, and it 
is a kind of a theme throughout the whole DLC, is that this whole thing feels... I don't know if it's, like, the nicest thing to call it, like, low budget, but, like, it feels <laughs> like they... Okay, so, like, it's all... All the places we're going, it's with, uh... It's with places we've been before. Like, they don't have to, like, make new areas and new environments. Um, there are, like, three characters in this DLC other than Morgan mm-hmm. and the Warden, and, uh... They, you know, they're not they're not returning characters, so, like, they didn't have to bring back returning cast members for, like, to do voiceovers. Um, Sandal does show up later, but that character says one word, so that is probably archived audio. And it's just, like, it's very much from a time before Bioware was, like, making things like Citadel and things like Trespasser and Legacy, mm-hmm. like, these very, like, huge, you know, really well-developed and, you know, probably expensive to make DLCs that brought all the cast back. They established a new uh, environments and, you know, new major story beats where this just kind of feels bordering on, like, a fan mod. Just in, like, the way that it is yeah, set up. I can and, see that. And I don't mean to, like, talk down to it so much on that respect, because, like, you know, it's it's not how much something costs. It's, like, the value that it has otherwise. Like, that's not really the issue. It's just, like, in the years that have since passed, like, Bioware put, like, a whole lot behind, especially, like, you know, the final chapters of each of these games, where, like, it was, like, like Trespasser and Citadel, like, the things that they did, you know, post-launch that clearly got the most care were those, like, kind of cap-off DLCs. But this mm-hmm. is just kind of meh. I think my issue with it is that it it doesn't know where it wants to fall in terms of whether mm-hmm. it wants to be a larger... Uh, I mean, it doesn't want to be a small mission. Uh, is definitely tiny. I didn't have the chance to go and look up how much this would have cost at the time uh to to buy but it strikes me as the sort of thing that people would be upset if they had to pay a decent amount of money for nowadays mm-hmm. um because you're right it is it's all areas we've already seen uh we we start it at Flemish hut we go to the tower of magi uh the circle of the magi uh we go to the ruins that are from the dalish elf origin story uh which has a cool tie-in if you are of that origin mm. and then we go to well i think i think the the tig is the one place that would be that i think was new uh, i mean or, or well, we did we did go through that when we were in the deep roads in the base game. Oh, oh okay I, mm, I don't remember that specific area but um i could have forgotten it because the deep roads were not like <laughs> visually memorable in that, in that, that particular very instance true. Very true. um and, and then we go back to the Dragonbone wastes which are from the uh awakening dlc and then one final area that's kind of just a larger version of the final room that you fight mother in in mm-hmm. awakening it and it is very short i mean when I looked it up on how long to beat, when I was, you know, trying to decide when I was going to play it yesterday, it said it would take an hour and a half to beat, on average. It took me about forty minutes to beat it. Right. Uh, so I'm assuming that that hour and a half is if you have like created a character or something like that, and maybe you have to spend a little bit longer on combat. But even then, there's not a lot of combat encounters. Uh, there's yeah, really there's not a lot of notable ones either. It's just like yeah. insert 
horde of darkspawn and there's one boss enemy that is new uh that just kind of gets introduced late and that's about it uh so yeah i in some ways it, it does almost feel to me like i'm trying to think there was a game recently that did this where they released a like short teaser for the next game that was going to be coming out inside Mm. the old game and i think it was just added as a patch i might be thinking of like resident evil 2 remake ended up updating its demo or something and in it there were teasers for nemesis but things like that are always really neat and I, i find them an interesting way of stoking hype for the next game before Mm -hmm. you get into it and when you consider all the things that we learned in this dlc the the throughout the the short runtime of this dlc it is actually extremely impactful canonically like it does Uh, have i okay uh, now it it does not affect change but it does give us a lot of information it gives us a lot of information we fake information that doesn't mean anything by the time it's over Okay, but information nonetheless. <laughs> Made up information that doesn't actually mean anything. Okay, okay, we'll, we'll, let's get to that. Let's we'll, we'll get, get to there. that. We'll get there. I mean, we can pretty much breeze through the mm. the opening. Really, let's call it the opening, but it is everything up to the major point of this DLC. So mm. the the tome that Morgan stole, we go to the Circle of the Magi uh, and an, recruit the help of a linguist there who's going to help us uh, figure everything out. Uh, one Finn who is also just super memorable uh, when we do our Dragon Age companion ranking thing I'm sure everyone will see that photo and go oh Finn yes my favorite (laughs) character next to Ariana Grande Um, it's um, we, we look through some tomes and discover that decipher that the thing that morgan is looking for and the reason why she stole that book from the the dalish in the first place was she's looking for an alluvian Mm -hmm. um she wants to find these alluvians which are essentially if you'd play the dalish elf origin you would have discovered this at the time but they are mirrors that were used by uh i think by not even just the tevinter but by the elves uh, mm-hmm. when the elves used to to rule most of uh, Thetis. And uh, when Tevinter used them, I think it was theorized that they couldn't figure out what the power of them was outside of just using them to communicate over long distances by, like, talking into the mirrors, you know, a very classic fantasy trope. Uh, but there is a hint that they might contain much more power than expected uh Tevinter was never able to fully uncover what that was uh so obviously if morgan wants it that sets off some bells because as we all know morgan a seeker of great power mm. and a bearer of a child that has an old god's soul inside <laughs> uh she's up to some shit so now we know that to find out where more alluvians are we need to perform a scrying ritual which means that we need to get a shard of an alluvian and uh these things call i forgot they're the lights of something they weren't the lights of andraste were they no and i ended up calling my notes what the fuck ever yeah it was some sort of lights 
yeah. magic lights <laughs> that are down in the uh the yes. tag whatever the fuck it's called like, yeah so the lights are in the tag uh buried away in the tag and the alluvian shard we just go back to the area where the cave where in the dalish elf origin we would have encountered the alluvian in the first place uh grab a shard walk on out and once we're working our way through the tag, this is kind of the only place where we get a really interesting gameplay mechanic in the DLC. And if you think we're moving through this DLC very fast, we're not. <laughs> this is it's, just it's literally it is. just bang, 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 location, location, location. Uh, there are some uh, places where you stop, like you go to the repository in the Circle mm-hmm. of the Magi, and you deal with some sentinels, and you talk to a statue that can talk, and all of which were in the Mage Origin. Yes, and so they they find little ways of tying in origins and things like that, which I appreciate, but mm. ultimately feel like they're kind of padding out a lot of what this DLC mm-hmm. is. Like, it's if anything. My frustration is not that this feels short. It's that it feels longer than it needed to be in the first place. Like, someone Mm. really should have just stepped in and said, let's cut this down. Let's make it so you're going through it with just the warden and the dog. uh, Mm. Because it has, like, a very personal tone to it. So having these two randos who are following along and doing friendly banter... Like, they've been a part of your party the whole time. Like, oh, oh, look, the dog's got a flower in its mouth. Oh, isn't that strange? Please shut the fuck up. Yeah, it's like, I don't know you people. Stop. (laughs) Mm. Like, Like you're you're already inserting yourself into my deeply personal journey to find my lover or friend. Can you just, like... Or hated rival. (laughs) I mean, yeah, if that's that's your jam. Um, Mm. Yeah, and it just feels almost unnecessary where I kind of wish it was you were just going from place to place and then maybe they could have done something interesting where you're having an internal monologue or you're reflecting on your time with Morgan. Mm -hmm. Like, can you imagine if it had sort of a Mass Effect 3 thing going on where you were reflecting on your journey with Morgan and, like, doubting all the interactions you ever had with her because, because of the fact that she was, like, using you or using the Wardens to try and... Uh, further her own means and then you had to kind of argue with that vision of yourself or whatever like oh, god come mm. on come on come on I'm just I'm putting it out there Hi, Bioware. <laughs> I'm putting it out there Bioware that's free you take that if you want it you you know whenever you get around to, to use it in Dragon Age 4 for Solus. yes whenever you get around to remastering Dragon Age for the Switch which we know you you gotta do you just gotta do it we saw the burnout paradise announcement come on give the people what they want (laughs) Mm. um that's out there this rewrite it just fix all that up it'll result in something much more different and more interesting in in my humble opinion but uh as we work our way through all this uh, and we collect all these pieces we do this uh, blood magic ritual. Some very casual blood magic happens, yeah. by the way. Not a word it's, is said about it. Everyone's totally chill. Everyone's totally chill. That's the one normal thing about this is that everyone is like super chill about the blood magic. So it's not weird like when Ken was just cutting himself and <laughs> letting the blood flow <laughs> in the main game. Um, you got but... some ketchup on your arm there, Warden. Oh, my bad. <laughs> From lunch. I'm, I'm saving it in case I see another dark spawn. Um, <laughs> it's 
yeah so we got to do all this there, there's just a lot of busy work in this there's even like mm-hmm. bits of lore that you can co- collect in the tag to to satisfy an additional achievement that's like okay neat but all it really results in is you eventually finding out that morgan is in the Dragonbone wastes uh and you need to go fight through that area and and get to where she is because there is an alluvian an actual alluvian there and once we get to the Dragonbone wastes uh there's it was a ventrell is what it's called it, mm, it remi- maybe it reminds me of like the name of it reminded me of the ventru from vampire the masquerade bloodlines because again mm. the game's just been on my mind all year and everyone should play vampire if we new stretch goal for normandy fm if we get through all of bioworks games and all of dang and rampa i'm gonna make ken play vampire the masquerade bloodlines what does that um, even well i guess that's probably on a on pc that i can that game's old i could probably play that on my laptop right yeah yeah it's super old the first time i played it i was i think running a windows build on my mac like i had partitioned my mm. mac to have a windows uh build on it right. and i was playing it on that so it already had some not great performance due to me running an operating system that shouldn't be running on a mac on a mac right. Right. <laughs> and then on top of that it was not a super powerful laptop so and mm-hmm. it's also a buggy game and i still got through it honestly that's part of the fun of it is that game is one that you should break that you should use cheat codes in in my opinion mm-hmm. uh it's one that you should mess around with because it is like a fundamentally broken game in some ways mm-hmm. but it's also beautiful so uh it's completely worth it it's uh anyways uh we fight this big nasty thing that looks like that uh creepy crawly spider thing that attacks obi-wan kenobi in star wars episode 2 attack the clones uh, it's a very deep cut for y'all today. That was a very specific reference. <laughs> it's all I could think about. I like saw that thing jump down. I was like, this is like that scene in that movie I really don't like. The worst Star Wars. <laughs> yes, worse, worse than episode... I will at least give episode 9 that. It is not Attack of the Clones. It is really... <laughs> it's really hard to be Attack of the Clones. It's a special kind of bad to be Attack of the Clones. <laughs> I genuinely feel like I might have erased the memory of the prequels, and I like, like uh, it's already like a low bar for me anyway. Just because, like, again, don't like Star Wars. All I remember is the high ground, and that's mainly yes. from the memes. Yes, I well, okay. So here's I rewatched these recently. I rewatched all nine of back, them. Yeah, back when uh, Rise was coming out, I mm. went through a rewatch of all the Star Wars movies. Um, my takeaways were still that strikes back and last jedi are my favorites uh and that for two of the trilogies that holds true that the middle one is my favorite um Mm. uh i could not pick between those two because they are both extremely good Mm. uh don't make me (laughs) i also (laughs) love episode four and episode seven uh which kind of feel like two halves of a coin uh you know obviously since seven mirrors itself uh mirrors four very well but of the prequels, three. So one is a more solid movie, start to finish, but it's just very muted. It's very like, I don't, I don't know. Like the, I'm looking at this audacity that's up in front of me, and you can see the the audio waveform that goes up and down, and okay. 
Star Wars Episode One is like a solid bar that doesn't really go to any up or down on it, whereas Episode Three hits the highs and also hits the lows. It's just all over <laughs> the place. And so, in some ways, I think that makes me like Episode Three more. But because at I least do... it, there's like movement there. Yeah, and you know, there's no pod racing. You know, pod racing is really mm, great. That is one. That is another thing that I actually remember from those movies. Pod racing, pretty all right. Anyways, specifically, kid Darth Vader saying, "This is pod racing." Now this is pod racing. Oh man, I'm excited for that game to come to the Switch. I want to see if it's <laughs> as good or as bad as I remember. I need to know whether it is what I have in my memory or not. Um. Anyways, uh, Dragon episode, Age. Yeah, Dragon Age. Uh, we're almost there, Ken. <laughs> um, we we kill the big nasty spider thing with the people we don't know and don't like, and then we go into the room and there is Morgan. And for me, this is where the DLC like starts. Right. This is it was leading yeah. up to this moment. They might as well have just dropped me in at this conversation. Like, just bring me here. Mm. And this is also where we get the meat of what's really going on in the Dragon Age universe, because this, for me, this what is they kind of... What they pretend is going on. <sighs> okay, we're going to talk about it. Don't worry. Kid. Right. Okay. Because um, this is, for me, like, now playing this, I can understand, like, because once I played Inquisition, I was kind of surprised, like, wow, Morgan's really playing a central role in this in, mm. in a way I didn't expect her to, and so is Flemeth in, in Dragon Age Inquisition and in Dragon Age 2. And now playing this i can see that this is what establishes this part of the canon as being this thing that's much larger than just the events of dragon age origins that's playing on a much larger scale the same way that trespasser establishes mm. Solus in that way or legacy right. establishes another character in that way mm. um, right definitely so for for me the whole idea behind this um this event is to establish who Morrigan is and what her aims are, right? It's it's supposed to give mm-hmm. us some answers about why the things were happening because really all we've known up to this point is that Flemeth wanted her to tag along with us so that she could do the freaky baby ritual and that in some way would have resulted in gain for Flemeth and we also killed Flemeth, so... Over the course of this conversation, we learn that Flemeth is not dead. Uh, we just kind of killed her body, but as Morgan says, mm-hmm. uh, she has transcended death. She is not, like, it's not that easy to kill her. Uh, mm-hmm. She's. She also confirms that she's now much more aware of what Flemeth is, because she says, mm-hmm. like, she's not, a, she's not an abomination, she's not a blood mage she's not even really human she's something much more than that you can you you get the sense that morgan has become very aware of who Mm. her mother is and how powerful she truly is right um and we learn that morgan's raising this child for something to come some sort of larger change to the world that is coming that the child will play a significant role in Mm. uh that's about all that's about all the major info we get obviously if you've played further dragon ages you know that this is likely foreshadowing things like corypheus and the events of dragon age inquisition 
uh, which Morgan and the child and Flemeth all do end up playing a major part in. Uh, but Ken, let's talk about now specifically how much this does or doesn't play into the 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 canonicity mm-hmm. of Dragon Age. So give me yeah. give me the give me the speech. Well, I think for first off for like. So, okay, when, when we started making Normandy FM, the intent was for it to be a thing that is played alongside the game. Like, like you listen to the show while you're playing the games, in theory. Mm-hmm. You know, not, not everybody does that, and that's fine. But that is sort of like, we make it with the intention of people being able to do that. So, I cannot guarantee to anyone who might be playing along, who has not played further into the series, that this will not delve into spoiler territory. I mean, um, we can just say blanket spoilers at this point because I mean we kind of yeah. had to do that with Mass Effect too when we were talking about specific things. So, if you want to bounce out now, if you're playing along and you don't want to get spoiled on further Dragon Age stuff, this is where we're going to start to talk a little bit about uh, Dragon Age spoilers further on ahead. If you wanted, I will say, if you wanted to hang around just to hear my thoughts on the Morgan romance stuff, I thought it was very, very good. And mm. I did get the ending where you walk through the Alluvian with yep. Morgan and, and take off together. Uh, I have seen the endings where you, like, stab Morgan, which feels mm. very strange. And yep. also the ones where she just leaves and then it's like she mm. left you a gift and you don't really know what that gift is. Uh, for, as far it's, as I could tell, I was, like, scouring the internet and could not find what it was. Like, Ken... Because it, cause it's fake. It's not, it's not even a thing. It is fucking made up. Okay. Because Bioware doesn't know sh- no any fucking idea what any of this shit means. Okay. So if that's what you're waiting for, we have talked it. That is that is the content side of Witch Hunt. But now I want to spend a little bit of time talking about the canonicity in, in the grand scheme of things. So if you are playing along, this is the cutoff. We'll see you next week. Otherwise, Ken, let's, let's talk about it. So, okay. Since we are in, like, the blanket spoiler territory, I want to say, like, the point... Okay, like, the the thing that I have been on, all of Origins, mm-hmm. and it was the thing I'm going to be, like, pers- like I'm going to be on this for the majority of Dragon Age. The, the moment that it really hit me that Bioware was making the shit up as they go along was the end of Inquisition, like, the, the vanilla end of Inquisition, where Flemeth died. Um, mm. Flemeth is the only real constant of Dragon Age. Like, she is in Origins, like, she's a major player in Origins, she's a major player in 2, and then, you know, Inquisition, like we said, like, she's in there, and she has a fairly significant, you know, appearance in that game, and it all seems to be leading to something, and Morgan talks, like, Flemeth is the real danger of this universe, like, everyone needs to be wary of her above all else, but she is dead by the time that, like, she's, and she hasn't even done anything, really, like, like, I mean, she's, you know, she's had the moments where, like, she helps the heroes of these games move along. But, like, she has absolutely done nothing of consequence beyond that. Like, we have no idea what she's doing. We have no idea why she wanted uh, the god baby. We have no idea why she... Well, actually, never mind. We do know why she helped Hawk, because Hawk could help her later. Um, she does something in Inquisition that I don't think is really necessary to spoil. Um, that we don't know what happened. But she's dead. None of it matters. And she gets, like, an actual mm. death. Like, not, like, a, you know, this kind of, like, fake-out that we ha- we do in Origins. And then in 2, Hawk, unbeknownst to them, revives her. Like, not knowing anything that happened with the Warden. And then she's dead. She's, like, straight-up dead. She is murdered by 
a character who has the ability to murder her in the grand essence, more so than any character that we've ever played as. So what is Morgan talking about? Probably nothing. Bioware probably didn't have any fucking clue what they were talking about. They were, they. It is the issue with everything that she says at the end of the DLC, where like she's talking about like uh, the child has like you know a, f- a destiny awaiting him. He kind of doesn't. The the thing that makes him special is taken from him in Inquisition. Um, she gives us. She's like, I have this gift for you. I think you're going to be very interested in what it is. It's nothing. Like it has been ten years. <laughs> and nobody had, there has been no reference to it. Nobody online has even any like actual tangible theories as to what it could be because it's not fucking there. There's nothing there. Like it is Bioware putting all these threads out in case they want to come back to him later. Again, and it's the mystery box. There could be anything in the mystery box. There could be a Morrigan in the mystery box. Why would you not take the mystery box? <laughs> <sighs> and so when I played this 10 years ago, that was, like, a very enticing end to me, because it was, like, we are setting up almost, like, what is ostensibly, like, a Reaper-level threat of this universe. That Flemeth is the thing everyone should be worried about. She's not. She's dead. Bioware didn't have any clue what they were talking about. They were making shit up as they go along. So... And I did not expect to, like, have, the, I guess, that particular wound picked at this quickly, but like, I guess I had forgotten how much they were leaning into the idea that Flemeth was going to matter in, like, a grander sense beyond saving people once or twice. Here's here's how I feel about this. I'm going to kind of respond to a few things. Number one, we don't know that Flemeth is dead. I know, I know Ken. I understand that she she died in a much more visible way than other and was killed by a being who would theoretically have the power to actually kill her at the end of trespasser or no at the end of inquisition uh we don't know for sure that she is fully gone yet though because god knows uh dragon age can find a way to bring a character back if they want to i mean they already did it with flemeth so uh i i'm not ruling that specifically out yet for dragon age 4 I will also say that I think the one interesting wrinkle here is that you're you're characterizing this as as like taking Morgan at face value, which I feel like we're not supposed to at this point in the game. And I feel like with with Morgan, her character is always supposed to be this person who puts her own needs first and if whatever your character is doing happens to align with that that's great and she likes that but she will always put her own needs first so in that sense her telling you uh flemeth is the real issue uh could easily just be a distraction i know that's like putting way like lots of narrative weight onto a single line um but i think you're doing that and a lot of faith way. in people that clearly don't care to make that I, mean something i so my my takeaway from this from this dlc and how it kind of colors my understanding of the rest of dragon age from from what i have played in my own playthroughs is that it establishes flemeth is a major player and that this is the scale of things that are going to happen moving forward this was kind of bioware putting up the signal of 
guess what? All this stuff you've been worried about so far in Dragon Age Origins, it was like low level things. Like the Darkspawn, the Blights, the Civil Wars and things. That's low level stuff. We're going to start escalating now. And we're going to get up to this point where we're not dealing with, you know, armies and fighting each other, but there's going to be some higher old god ancient magic stuff going on and flemeth is going to be one of the major players in that um because i don't think she never really says she mentions that flemeth is like dangerous but she never really mentions like what role flemeth would play whether it would be antagonistic to what is going to be happening or not and so i mean flemeth the character has always been that sort of embodiment of a very old trope of the, you know, the witch of the woods who will help you, but it always comes at a price. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's always kind of playing for her own sake and playing like five steps ahead. So that's why I think that that's why I really like the ending of inquisition actually is because it flips that on its head and it informs you a lot of who that character is that does the deed like what his standing is and what he does and why he makes so much impact in the universe and like Mm. basically why we should be okay with this last second reveal of the true villain of it all uh and it does like i i still fondly remember uh the ending of that game i think it was a very good like last twist to kind of throw in there like a marvel stinger yes yeah yeah it was a marvel stinger and again when we're thinking about dragon age in terms of how the story unfolds it does have to go entry by entry because we've talked about this before the mass effect series had the benefit of the reapers right you had this very concentrated Mm -hmm. enemy that you could always have looming overhead and that's a very good when you're writing a story that's a good narrative device to have because it means that you always have this threat that you can point to that is the reason for things needing to move things needing to happen you need impetus and narrative stories and when you have something like the reapers it's very easy whereas with dragon age that window shifts over time and that opens the narrative up to address a much larger range of stories that are not always having to come back to the reapers in some way uh which is like if i'm talking about some of the things about mass effect if i had to come up with some i'm not saying these are bad things i'm just saying if i had to come up with some criticisms of the story it would be that everything in some way needs to tie back to Shepard and the reapers it has to like that's how that story moves along even when you get into uh the the crewmate stories and things like that with the exception of i'd say maybe like mass effect 2's loyalty missions everything comes back to shepherd and the reapers in some way um that's starting another long conversation for a day (laughs) Mm -hmm. um with dragon age things need to like move along at a pace so i don't i don't necessarily think that this is them being any sort of I'm not saying you said this, um, but I don't think this is any sort of laziness on their part. I don't think this is any sort of lack of care on their part. I think is I think this is them... You can almost see the realization that they know that this is going to start to extend beyond mm-hmm. Origins, and it's going to extend further into a universe. And so they need to start to establish characters and threats 
and things that the player can theorize about or get excited about. And I, I imagine by the time they were making, I don't know this, anyone who's listening to the podcast, I know some websites love to listen to podcasts and then be like, this person said this, so that means this is real. No, this ain't one of those. This is me theorizing. Um, I imagine by the time they were making Witch Hunt, they already had a lot of Dragon Age 2 laid out. Mm. And so they yeah, knew I mean, well, that... Like a, just a quick like pin on that. Um, There's a banter in the, the circle section where some of the mages are talking about like, oh, did you hear about what's going on in Kirkwall? The, yeah, they the, talk the, about like, Kirkwall. Like, are so. fleeing there and stuff like that. So Yes. Yeah, they, they already, like, were... You can tell that Dragon Age 2 was already in development at that point. So they knew at that point that Flemeth was coming back and that one of the quests would be reviving Flemeth. And so I don't think you make that choice. I don't think you create this DLC... If the intention is to just have Flemeth be this convenient narrative device, it's they're they're starting to establish the larger threads of this universe, and these are things that you can tell they've kind of had to pick up and put down over time. Because I mean, they they pick up the Flemeth thread into and then drop it almost immediately and don't come back to it until like halfway through Inquisition. So it's 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 interesting to see them do this because it can be frustrating at times that it. I, I completely agree that Dragon Age does not have the same narrative conciseness that Mass Effect does. Like, going back to what I said earlier, if I had to criticize Mass Effect for one thing, that is a thing. But the, the flip side of that coin is that at every point in Mass Effect, I feel like I'm doing something that has narrative weight to it. And mm. I, I feel like this is one universe that totally does revolve around Shepard, the character. And, and it's it's like, you know, it's the living embodiment of, well, what about me, the protagonist of reality? Like, this is this is Shepard's game. And for the faults that that has, it, that also gives it a lot of strength uh, that you can see is lacking here in Dragon Age. And it's, I've said this a million times, right. but Dragon Age is like a very different kind of story from what right. Mass Effect was trying to tell. Right. And so, me personally... I'm okay with all the stuff we just talked about because, again, Dragon Age for me is the series where Bioware takes risks. And it's the one where they kind of go out of their way to try some things that are a little bit different, where they try to bend and break the rules that they had established with their, their, I guess what you'd really call like their A series, you know, their, Mm. their leading series, the one that when you talk about Bioware, you talk about Mass Effect. But... Uh, Dragon Age is where they get to mess around with things a bit more and try different things because it is the one that's not in the spotlight. It's kind of their B series, and so they get to go there and mess with some things, learn some lessons, bring it back to the main series. Uh, and so I appreciate it for that. I I like I like mm. this DLC a lot. Uh, I think it right. well it, it definitely gave me the conclusion I was looking for in this game because all these text epilogues and stuff just weren't doing it whereas having the final shot of this game be my warden walking into the alluvian with morgan mm. that's a good way to end this game like that's right. the way that you would think bioware if they made that game nowadays you would end up on some sort of quest path where if your character had met x conditions that would have been the ending for their character mm. the, and like i i agree with like the idea that Dragon Age can be this more experimental series for them, but I also think that they 
are well they did and they still pretty much are trying to pretend that they are also what Mass Effect was which was if it's not necessarily a story about one character that at least a story that you are supposed to in theory be sort of like the facilitator of like you the player not necessarily you any certain character mm-hmm. and you know like we talked about before like they established you know the Dragon Age Chief which is where you can map out all of your choices and you know have a consistent world state that you can import into other games so like I don't really know if the solution would have been to maybe not have that import, but I think if if they're gonna basically just be pretending that this is all leading somewhere and that everything that every little thing that you're doing matters and is building up to something, then they needed to actually follow through on that. And they had not in three games and based on the apparent development hell that Dragon Age Four is in, I don't expect it to go into either. And I'm just like I forgot, I mean, I have my, you know, sort of like my top tier issues, which is where, like, I think if Dragon Age 4 doesn't have, you know, the Inquisitor as a protagonist, and then that's, and that's all bullshit, but I think it took being back in this DLC to, re- hypo, to realize that this <laughs> was is like... I agreeing with you, man. <laughs> yeah, my hype man over here. Like, it took being back in this DLC to realize that a lot of this fuckery is by design, and it is, like, Bioware writing things without a clear plan. Like, just obviously, like, not actually planning forward for any of the things that they fucking write. I, so I, I've, I've one, I've one response to this. Mm. Um, I, I have two. <laughs> it's, when you, when you think of the keep, Mm. what do you think you're importing a world state okay because there there are times when you talk about the keep and it sounds like you're talking about importing a world state and then other times where you talk about it and you you drift into a more first person perspective of the keep and so i mean i don't don't think those are like mutually exclusive i think those are like one informs the other they are, but I I think that's also where and I'm not I'm not like saying it's like oh you're wrong about this. I'm saying this informs me of like where some of your issues stem from in Dragon Age in that it does not carry forward the personal stuff as well as it does the world state stuff, uh, especially when it comes to things like whether you killed a character or not. Like that stuff gets messy, whereas like the larger world state stuff carries over in a more meaningful way because those are kind of broader strokes that are easier to paint with. Mm. Um, and so I can understand that. But I think the other interesting thing to note is that the keep didn't exist until Inquisition came out, mm. and you can tell. I mean, we'll be talking about this when we get to Inquisition, but you can tell that that was the game where they were like, "Okay, we need to develop some sort of consistent." world base for what this is moving forward like from dragon age origins to awakening to two there's a lot of gray matter that they kind of flub around in in terms of characters that live and die and how that affects things and whether they appear again and things like that whereas the keep was okay we need to centralize this all we need to like you know, codify what is important and what's not, and we need to develop that sort of Mass Effect thing because I think part of it was probably uh, that makes it easier when they're trying to do these big world events like what Inquisition is, 
but also i imagine i i wasn't in the forums and such at the time but i imagine that there were probably some people who were annoyed by this as well with uh with the dragon age series leading into that so i do have i do i know i'm hoping against hope like having faith against lack of evidence that dragon age 4 is going to be a step forward in that direction because they've now created this system that will let them see all the variable world states they have to work with and then address them accordingly write around them accordingly develop them accordingly because there's always going to be messy stuff whenever you're doing this sort of thing i mean we no easier example than the Rachni, right? Like that's the mm. easiest example of you can't always make these choices stick in the ways that you wish they would, but you can try to find ways that will let you get around that. And and Mass Effect Three definitely had situations where they had to work around certain limitations, whether characters were alive or dead so they had to bring in stand-ins as like race liaisons for all the different missions and stuff but at the end of the day those games are probably very different experiences if you've made certain decisions versus not made them but Mm. i think the ultimate goal is to try and please the fans and especially the people who are playing these games to want to find the quote-unquote like best outcome you know like going into mass effect 3 with everybody alive with all these certain choices made with full paragon or full renegade and like facilitate that sort of role playing that carries on from that i i think dragon age 4 can do it and in fact the the extra dev time gives me a little bit more belief in that because it feels like it feels like they've at least then learned a little bit from their mistakes because i mean there have been many like jason Schreier reports and stuff like that about the studio culture of bioware that we've we've gotten into a bit on here before but you know it talks a lot about how in the years of like andromeda and inquisition and anthem that the bioware is a studio where they believe that everything could kind of just magically come together at the last minute and I think having backing that date up, the fact that they don't even have a date yet and that they've said in that financial call that it's looking more and more like, I think it was like April 2021 or 2022 is what mm. they were expecting. Um, it's That gives me a little bit more reassurance because that means they're not trying to get this thing out the door before next gen comes out this holiday. Mm fingers crossed on that but (laughs) um but they're also that means that there's clearly time being taken to polish the game to get everything into a state where it's working and they can understand what it is and they can see a finish line essentially not just like imagine one that hopefully exists somewhere (laughs) And, and game development is difficult, especially in games like this. But uh, the one like note I want to leave Witch Hunt on is that the one thing it does kind of plant a seed in my mind about is that this sort of short, episodic storytelling could honestly work in the Dragon Age universe if it was given a little mm. bit more care and a little bit less like, oh, we need to fill it with content to make sure that it justifies its own existence. Mm. Like... 
I almost like the idea of once you've beaten a game like Inquisition, if between, and you know, they've done this in the past, but this stuff was always kind of more content filled than narrative filled. But say like between, you know, narratively between Inquisition and Trespass- Trespasser, two years have passed, right? Mm-hmm. So what if there were a series of episodic missions that they released every, you know, month? leading up to the release of trespasser that were these like you go and do one mission or a series of missions that will somehow inform what what that next step is uh and i think oddly enough one one series that does this really well is ghost recon uh the ubisoft series they've been putting out these story missions essentially story packs like the predator and the terminator and sam fisher and stuff like that but they handle that sort of thing very well and they build up these little narratives within them that also then inform like the larger world i think that idea is really cool and in a world like dragon age where you don't have that narrative restriction of the reapers where you can kind of let it free flow a little bit more you have more world to work with generally Mm. uh I could see that really really working and so that's what witch hunt had me thinking the whole time was that like what if say in you know dragon age inquisition a good example you had a mission that was about the kunari plot that was that was being done leading up to trespasser or mm-hmm. maybe you were you played a mission that was like you were trying to track down what happened to solace and you were dealing with like elven spies or something and then one of them if you found it just had a mention that could have casually hinted at the idea that Solus is much much greater than what you think he is or, mm-hmm. or whatever like basically a witch hunt for that's right. what trespasser is is trespasser is like a much larger version of witch hunt right. but i i can see that sort of thing working and it's the one thing that makes me think that maybe this like modern dragon age 4 which has been rumored to have some like modern game structure stuff in it could work if they address it that way but even then Mm -hmm. uh, i don't know it's i want to hope i want to hope for dragon age man because when this series gets it right and we're about to get into a game where i feel like it it starts hitting some really big highs the ones that we remember it for i mean granted we've had people on here who love origins a lot more than we did uh and they talked about how much they love this stuff for me that's going to be me during dragon age 2 and and inquisition for sure there are parts of inquisition Mm -hmm. i still absolutely adore Mm -hmm. uh i i want to believe that it can still hit those highs (laughs) and uh we're about to go into i'm I'm feeling optimistic going into dragon age 2 i'm excited to talk Mm -hmm. about a dragon age game that i feel is going to hit some of those highs for me yeah i i will say now that i've played up to what we're gonna talk about next week those highs are not coming next week. If you're waiting for the show to be back to where we're like super positive on shit, it's not going to be next week because the opening of that game is rough. Yeah. God, I'm trying to remember. I was thinking about it the other day. I was like, how does Dragon Age 2 start again? And then do I remember, remember that... Wait, do you remember that uh, that scene in the, the first Avengers movie where Hulk beats the shit out of Loki? Yes. Uh, imagine if they tried to make that scene like emotional. <laughs> Oh right, that totally does happen. 
Oh, I forgot. I forgot that that happened, and that they made Flemeth hot. That's the other important. Yep. Uh, Flemeth note. has the body of somebody hundreds of years her junior. You know, I mean, mm. they established that she can like change form and stuff, so I don't know. I'm going to change everything below my neck, <laughs> but nothing else. Nothing else. I mean, Ugh. hey, look. If we all could. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's. That's gonna do it that's, for this this week. week. That that's gonna do it for for Dragon Age Origins, man. We're we're done with that. We're wrapped with that. Pour next one out. week. Next week, Act One, the prologue of Dragon Age Two. Uh, we will not be immediately recruiting uh, anyone besides the obvious folks that will be in later ones. In fact, I'll just I'll run down the schedule that we have real quick for those dates uh, are wrong so don't read the dates out loud okay the dates are wrong okay because like that oh, it doesn't account yet for the one we oh, have to cut out the gap right yeah the yeah. companion quest gap you're right you're right see ken that's and also don't don't here. mention yeah and don't mention the name i'm not mentioning guests i'm not okay. mentioning guests i was going to be good about that Thank um you. Okay. so we will be going through act one the prologue recruiting anders and meryl uh that'll be one episode the next episode will be recruiting fenris and isabella Isabella, she's back. We're very excited about this. I mean, Anders is back too, but I'm, I'm less excited about that. <laughs> uh, then we do some gold gathering quests, and we recruit Sebastian, who is a DLC character who I've never mm. had in my party before, so I'm looking forward to Ooh. that. Uh, and then we head on into the deep roads to close out that first act. See, that's what I was trying to remember. I was like, what was that first part of Dragon Age 2 again? And yeah, that first part up to deep roads is real long. Um, then we get into Act 2, which is my favorite part of Dragon Age 2, uh, featuring the Black Powder Courtesy and the Prime Suspects. Uh, we do some Fenris and Isabella uh, talk one week, and then we follow it up with some Aveline and Meryl talk in the next week. Uh, after that, we'll do some Varric and Anders talk. And we will then close out Act 2 with uh, All That Remains and, and the rest of those acts, uh, missions in that act. Then finally we get to Act 3, where we will do a Legacy to start it off. So we'll do the DLC to start it off in, in Act 3 of Dragon Age 2. We'll head on to On the Loose and Best Serve Cold. Uh, then some Fenris and Aveline, some Isabella and Meryl, and then some Anders and Varric. And we'll close it out with The Last Straw. Uh, famous, famous ending of Dragon Age 2. Uh, as you can tell, those our, our, our episodes for Dragon Age 2 are much more companion-focused, because obviously it is a much more companion-focused game. There is a lot of stuff that can happen with companions in that game, and a lot of missions that are related to the companions. So I think generally we will try and keep the discussion to those uh, specific episodes, and we've even, uh, for certain characters, we do have multiple episodes where we will talk about their companion quests up to a certain point. So I'm excited for that because it means we get to really deep dive into these characters, mm. all of whom I think are, are very interesting. I think in terms of cast, I definitely have fond memories of a lot of Dragon Age 2's cast. Mm. Uh, I like Inquisition's cast a lot, but I feel like Inquisition had a few standout characters for me, mm. uh, whereas yeah. 2 just felt like it had the stronger overall cast. Right, that's my uh, that's my sort of thinking on it too. Is like, I, my favorites are in Inquisition, but like, on the whole, I jive with Dragon Age 2's cast 
the most. Now, what if we could boot Aveline from Dragon Age 2 and get Cassandra in there? Then I'm all on board with Dragon Age 2 having the best cast, period. That's That sounds really board. rude, because I love Aveline. Okay, she's nice, but counterpoint, Cassandra Pendergast. Well, as it turns out, we get both of them in that game. We do get both of them in that game, as well as Leliana, because death means nothing in the Dragon Age universe. Nope. And many other characters so before we head into that i just want to thank again our wonderful patrons if you want to support normandy fm through all our ventures across theta you can head over to patreon.com slash normandy fm you can donate at several different tiers and if you donate a certain tier you'll get your name shouted out every week those patrons this week are kevin kulikowski Ginny Wu, chris johns anthony matthias and colin just colin Thank you all so much for donating. If you want to head over there and contribute to the Patreon as well, help us keep the lights on and uh, help us to keep doing cool stuff because we are getting close to that backing goal where we would continue on past Dragon Age once we finish Dragon Age uh, and do Jade Empire. And I have heard from many people that Jade Empire is a very interesting game that is very much worth my time to play. I've had many people can included when i say i've never played jade empire before be like what so if you want to help me scratch that one off my bucket list uh this is your chance uh if we don't hit this i will never play this video game and you'll have to live your (laughs) life knowing that you stopped me from playing a game i could have loved that's your fault so you can head over there if you don't have the means to donate or if you don't feel like doing it that's all right you can head over to twitter.com slash show follow us there where we post all of our podcast updates across all the various services and we also just share our own work because we work in the industry and we think we're pretty good at what we do so we, we keep that stuff up to date too in fact i think if you head over there can i think you retweeted it i did a last minute panel for uh resed digital over the mm-hmm. weekend which is read pops digital uh, game convention i interviewed uh joe walsh over at mediatonic about fall guys which is actually a really cool looking game uh mm-hmm. i i mean you saw it at pax east right you probably walked by the booth a couple times I didn't, I didn't play it or like sit down with it like properly but i did see it like passing by it, it looked neat it was one that i kept walking by and being like oh i should have made an appointment for that one yeah uh, like a lot of people told me so i was like that's one of the games you need to go see. I, like, I don't have time it was literally i mean it is it's a battle royale inspired inspired by uh takeshi's castle the you know you probably know it in america as mxc or, or things like total wipeout but the sort of obstacle course game shows it seems really cool uh, i did a video interview where joe did not turn on his webcam and so you just get to see me in my quarantine attire. <laughs> you can see how the quarantine beard is going if you want to. Uh, that's over there. You can follow twitter.com slash show to keep up with all that. But that's going to do it for us, for Ken, for myself, for Dragon Age Origins, Awakening, and Witch Hunts. We'll see you next week in the wonderful Isle of Kirkwall and Dragon Age 2 on Normandy FM. We have watched and waited. <laughs>